Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Here we go. Welcome to the 1000 Hours Outside Podcast. My name is Ginny Urich, and we are going to be talking about camping today. Jeremy Puglisi is here from the RV Atlas. Thanks for joining us. Ginny, I'm really like ridiculously excited to talk about you today because it is a cold, dreary, wet winter day in New Jersey, and I am not feeling outdoorsy at all today. Um, and I'm hoping that this conversation will inspire me to to get outside today. And after we're done this interview, I have to go to the dentist, which I'm also oh. really not excited about. So this is the highlight of my day right now. <laughs> the dentist is never all that exciting. Jeremy, I love your book, See You at the Campground. First of all, it is a beautiful book and the illustrations and all the way through, it's just one of those books that you love to hold and love to look through. And it just has tips after tips and lists after lists, but it also tells your story. See You at the Campground, a guide to discovering community connection and a happier family in the great outdoors that you wrote with your wife, Stephanie. So this is just one of many books that you have, but this is the one that I own. And parents are always asking about camping. It's probably one of the number one questions that we get at 1000 Hours Outside is camping this. And I want to start camping. I've never done it. And what are the tips and tricks? And so your book covers it all in such an informative way and interesting way. So congrats on some amazing books that you have. I'm really excited to talk about camping. Yeah, and I I, pre- I really appreciate that you, you know you like the look and the feel of the book and the illustrations, and I, I have to shout out our publisher Source Books. Um, they do a great job of making the books really super attractive, and okay. we have a great a great team, a great editor, a great ed- agent, and you know super proud of these books, and they they do all come together very very nicely. You know, I think yeah. I think the cover I think the covers sell the books uh, sometimes. So yeah, they um, do, but then the interior keeps them selling. So actually, this is just one of four, right, Jeremy? Can you tell us about the other three? Yeah, so our first book was The Idiot's Guide to RV Vacations, and that's sort of how we we broke into publishing books. And that did well enough that we were able to then get a contract for another book. Um, You always want to sell enough books to be able to get another contract for for the next book. So then See You at the Campground was our second book. And that's that's my personal favorite, actually, because it does sort of codify a lot of our family stories. And it feels like this, this document that not only I'm sharing with people who are interested in camping, but maybe a document that my my grandchildren will read and my mm. great-grandchildren will re- read. Uh, then- <laughs> that, that is the freakiest part about publishing a book, though. <laughs> it, well, it'll live on. It will It will live on. <laughs> social media is so so transient. And, you know, we, we all live in this world where we're told we have to be posting all the time and doing TikTok and Reels and all these things. But it does kind of eventually disappear to some degree. Mm-hmm. And the books feel more permanent to me. Yeah. And that's that's something that excites me. Uh, so the our current book is Where Should We Camp Next, um, which is a 50-state guide to really great campgrounds in the country. Wow. And that's been um, the number one best-selling family travel guide in the country on Amazon for almost two years. Wow, Jeremy. So 
Yeah, so that's been really one of the great successes of my life, frankly. We've, so we're turning that into a series. So then there'll be uh, Where Should We Camp Next National Parks. That will come out in April. And then we have already started writing the third Where Should We Camp Next book. Wow. And I hope to just, I would like for them to be, you know, 10 of them or, or 12 of mm-hmm. them and, and have a really legitimate uh, yeah. series. Yes. And I've seen Where Should We Camp Next and similar to See You at the Campground, just a gorgeous book. And you guys are putting out this information that is changing lives for families. And so what I was surprised about in this book was just learning about your story and sort of a rocky road, I think, that a lot of us face, especially when we have children and things change and you had twins right off the bat. And so you're talking in here about, you say, our relationship was on the rocks. Being the parents of twin babies was giving us a run for our money. And so you're struggling. And what do you do? You buy a camper. To clarify, my wife had twin babies. So I just <laughs> just to be just to be clear, <laughs> I uh, no, I was there for every step of the way. But you know, it you know, having twins, nothing on planet Earth prepared me for having twins. Nothing on on planet Earth prepared my my wife for for having twins. I think most of us don't feel prepared to have children mm-hmm. a, at all to some degree. Uh, and then we had we had twins, and the first year was incredibly difficult. Once they started sleeping after seven months, things got a little bit better. But I, I certainly do remember coming home from my teaching job and Stephanie was was at home with them at that point. And, you know, she looked overwhelmed and she looked stressed. And I think that she felt a little trapped inside and a little trapped in the house with them. And we had both always been road trippers and travelers and people that just really had a, a lot of wanderlust. Now here all of a sudden, we are just home in our house every day and a, a lot of, of stress and, and tension. So... <laughs> We got the the crazy idea when they were about nine months old, we got the crazy idea to buy a pop-up camper and start camping with them, which seems, you know, in retrospect, yes, it actually seems a little crazy because it's just the day-to-day is so challenging, just getting through the days and feeding the kids and being woken up at night, et cetera, et cetera. But then the idea of like throwing a pop-up camper in the mix and starting to go camping seems wild to me now, but at that time, it, it made a lot of sense to us because we wanted to get back outside and get back outside enjoying time as a young family. And that seemed like the way to do it. Another key moment was that we took them when they were maybe 10 or 11 months old to a hotel that had like a, a little a water park for toddlers. And frankly, it was kind of a miserable experience. We didn't really have fun in the hotel. Our kids were going to bed at seven o'clock at night at that point. And then we were both like trapped in the hotel room. You know, we felt like we were, we couldn't do anything. You know, we couldn't enjoy the evenings. So we thought that if we got the pop-up camper and we started camping with them, that we could put them in bed and then at least step outside Mm -hmm. and have a campfire. And that was part of the initial magic of what really made us fall in love with this. So we bought the pop-up camper when they were about one, right around their, their first birthday. And we started using it uh, twice a month, you know, once, twice a month. And it was magical. I mean, looking back at those memories now, some of the happiest times of my of my life. And part of it was that, um, you know, look, if you're going to be dealing with the stress of young children, Stephanie has always said, why not deal with it in a beautiful place? 
Right. Why not deal with a tantrum on top of a beautiful mountain as opposed to you know also feeling stuck in your house and just dealing with it at home and feeling a little caged mm-hmm. in. So we were dealing with all the, ch- the challenges of young children, but something about dealing with them in an outdoor context was more invigorating and life-giving for us. And then we were able to reconnect by putting them to bed at seven. I wish they went to bed at seven now. I have teenagers now. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then stepping outside having a campfire, having a glass of wine. And then miraculously, when you're when you're at a campground and you put your kids to bed and you step outside and you have a campfire, other humans walk by and talk to you. And all of a sudden there's a there's this social aspect again that you can lose when you have really young kids at home because you're just completely wrapped wrapped up with them. So the that initial year or two in the pop-up camper, we fell head over heels with camping, um, mm-hmm. head over heels with the RV lifestyle, and uh, and just head over heels with being outdoor centered as a family and, and mm-hmm. spending as much uh, time outdoors as we could. Yeah. Yeah. We have a, a lot of things that were a crossover there. So I read your book and related a lot to it. We got a pop-up camper and now we have not used ours nearly as much as you, but we got a pop-up camper about seven years ago. We used our tax returns. It was like from the nineties, it's super old, but we actually got it from someone who was meticulous about cleaning it. And so I remember even going to his home to pick it up. We found it probably on Craigslist or something and his home was meticulous and the camper was meticulous. He was just good at cleaning it. And so everything was in fantastic shape and we just have similar experiences. I mean, a hotel is awful. I think that a lot of parents have the experience where you don't really think ahead. And then all of a sudden you do put the kids to bed and you're like, oh, wait, we're, we're stuck. <laughs> and and everyone goes and hangs out in the bathroom. I mean, it's, it's maybe it's like a rite of passage for parenting. And now we have too many kids to fit in a hotel room. So we're in two hotel rooms. They're usually not connected. If we ever stay in a hotel, we're separate. So it's just a pain. And you're trying to keep your kids quiet and they're crying and it's the middle of the night and you know, there's people all around and you go to a campsite and it's just completely different. And as soon as you pull in, the kids are playing. So there's not even that, like dragging your luggage through the hotel and you got all your kids and it's just just really stressful. And it's completely different when you go to the campsite. And I also remember when our kids were young and, you know, we just didn't have that much money. I was like, oh my goodness, we can stay here for a whole week for the price of one night of a hotel. I mean, it's just affordable. And it's like your base camp for everything else that you want to go see. You want to go do stuff with your kids. And that's an affordable way to do it because I think we're in Michigan and it's like $30 a night. A hotel room's 200 bucks. And so I just loved reading your book. You talked in there about even just the typical weekend experiences. And I think parents will relate. The Chuck E. Cheese, the indoor play place, everyone's crawling through someone else's germs. They get sick and you just end up feeling drained and you've drained your pocketbook as well. And so I think it was really neat that you included in the book all of the reasons that people may not think. And I didn't think of them until you actually do it. And then you're like, oh, oh, this is a really great option. You, you just spoke so much of God's truth. We need to pause and think about a few of the things you just said. I love the fact that you bought an inexpensive pop-up camper and that you bought a used pop-up camper. And that's something we write about in the book because we went out and bought the pop-up camper with all the bells and whistles, the brand new shiny one, $12,700 pop-up camper. I was all so proud of myself that we bought 
this, and we, but we borrowed money to buy it. Meanwhile, our friends, Joe and Ashley, bought a used $900 pop-up camper. And then we camped together for like two years, three years when our kids were young. And I had actually, ironically, nothing but problems with my brand new shiny pop-up camper. And theirs was in great shape. They had fewer uh, problems than I did. So I, I always tell people too, don't spend too much money to get into the camping lifestyle, the RVing lifestyle. It's very tempting, particularly if you're looking at RVs over tents. It's very tempting because just because you can borrow the money doesn't mean you should borrow the money. Mm. And I also always tell people that the family in the $900 used pop-up camper is having just as much fun as the family in the $500,000 motorhome. Maybe they're a little more comfortable in the $500,000 motorhome, but comfort and fun are two very different things. So if you're, you know, for your listeners right now, Jenny, if you're thinking about getting into this, I would avoid the temptation of getting a huge loan, borrowing a lot of money, et cetera, et cetera. Keep it within your budget, keep it affordable, and you can have a blast doing so. It's interesting, Jeremy, that you bring up that your new one had a lot of problems and it almost reminds me of used clothes. If someone hands you down a bag of used clothes, you know they're fairly durable. I think we've all bought clothes that you get a stain on it and the stain will not come out, but you get that bag of used clothes and they've been used for a couple of years. And so you just know that they're quality. And I think that was how our camper was. It was fantastic. And so I loved in the book when you went through all the different options so clearly, great pictures. I actually was always confused about the class A, the class B, the class C. So you have the pictures in there and you're explaining all the different options. And for our family, the pop-up is great because there's more sleeping space for our kids. We've got five. So a lot of the pull-behind campers, they've got a bunkhouse for four kids and you could do the couch thing or something like that. But the pop-up gives more sleeping space. So you went through kind of all the pros and cons of the different options, tenting. And so what do you find are people's biggest questions when they're trying to decide what kind of camping family am I going to be? That's a great question. Well, you know, in the RV space, it's what type of RV should I buy? Should I buy a pop-up camper? Should I buy a hybrid travel trailer? Should I buy a travel trailer? Should I buy a fifth wheel? Should I buy a class A motorhome, a class B motorhome, a class C motorhome? And there's really no way to, to get around that other than just diving in and researching all of the different RV types. So on the rvatlas.com, we have information about that. In CEO at the campground, there's like a whole chapter, as you just mentioned, that walks through all of the different types. And then GoRVing.com is like a great resource. All of the manufacturers chip in for the national GoRVing campaign. And I I do a lot of work with them, but they absolutely have terrific tools on their website at GoRVing.com where you can type in some basic information about yourself, like how many family members, how much you want to spend. Then they spit back the different types of RVs that might work for you. Then it's, so you got to do a lot of research, but then at the same time, most people do end up trading in their RV every three years and getting something different. So, you know, there's no perfect RV or whatever you get, you're going to get in it and go, oh, I I want this instead. And and then you start camping and then you start seeing everyone else's RVs and you start talking to other campers. The general trajectory is that people start smaller and cheaper like a pop-up camper. That has very much been a traditional starting place for a lot of RV owners. And then you, you get bigger and bigger. I don't necessarily know that you you have to follow that trajectory, but that to some degree is what happens. Go to RV shows, look around at some local RV shows or the big national shows like the Tampa show or the Hershey show and walk in and out of a lot of RVs and imagine your family spending time in that RV. I'm actually RV shopping right now. 
Oh, and wow. every, yeah. So we're, uh, I'm, you know, days away probably from, from buying a new RV and I walk into an RV and I literally think through a whole day in my mind, where are my kids sleeping? Where are we going to eat? Is there enough storage for the groceries? I walked into one floor plan and I really liked a lot of things, but you had to walk through the bathroom to get to the master bedroom. And in essence, the toilet was just feet away from the master bedroom. And I thought my wife would hate this floor plan because I have two 13-year-old boys and a nine-year-old boy and the, to the toilet's five feet away from where she's trying to relax at night. So you have to sort of imagine yourself in the RV a, a little bit um, to help you get started. And the RV shows are great. You know, just go, bring a lot of water, bring comfortable shoes and walk in and out of as, as many RVs yeah, as you can. That's a fun yeah. thing to do, for sure. Especially better than, maybe, better than <laughs> maybe better than Chuck E. Cheese. Uh, well, and what's interesting too is that you lay out the pros and cons. So for example, this is something I wouldn't have thought about before we camped, but you talk about people are getting, they tend to start small and get bigger and bigger. But if you go too big, then a lot of the places you're not going to fit or you're excluded from going because your camper is too long. So can you talk about that in terms of finding campsites? Oh, that's a great, that's a great thing to bring up. So actually a lot of people go bigger and bigger and bigger, and then they eventually get a really big RV and then they realize they can't go to all the campgrounds they want to go to. And now we've, we see a lot of people in our audience who then start to downsize. Uh, and, and go smaller. So here's the primary thing you need to know. A lot of state and national park campgrounds, public campgrounds, which are also very affordable, they have spacious sites with lots of trees and nature. But a lot of times the actual kind of landing pad does not fit a big RV. They only fit smaller RVs. That's partly because a lot of the national park campgrounds were built post-World War II, as were a lot of the state park campgrounds that were built post-World War II in the, in the 40s, the 50s, the 60s when RVs were just smaller for the most part. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, in the 1960s, most Americans had a small RV or a pop-up camper, even though there's lots of big ones you can see if you go into the RV Hall of Fame, the average person had a small RV. So RVs have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. And public campgrounds, you know, due to a lack of funding, are not able to keep up with that and modernize their their sites and make bigger sites. And there's also not the profit motive for them to do so. Now, okay. private campgrounds, where you have an owner who's, who's trying to make money, many of them have modernized and they have built much larger sites. So if you get up to something like a 35 or 40 foot motorhome or fifth wheel, you will have a very difficult time, let's say camping in a national park campground inside, inside of Yellowstone National Park or Yosemite National Park. You will basically, by default, have to camp outside of the national park at somewhere like a KOA or a Jellystone or a, you know a family-owned mm -hmm. campground. So you got to figure out your camping style. If you want to be in state parks, county parks, national parks, you need to know the roads are tighter. The sites are not overall smaller, but the spot where you would park your RV is smaller. Ironically, the actual sites are usually way bigger. Then you're going to need to keep your RV moderately sized. And a golden rule is to definitely stay under 30 feet. People debate this all the time. But you definitely want to stay under 30 feet. Once you start getting over 30 feet, you're going to have a lot of trouble getting into those spots. But maybe you don't want to camp inside national park campgrounds that don't have a lot of amenities or pools or jumping pillows or, you know, hay rides for the kids. Maybe you want to camp at Jellystone or KOA or those types of private campgrounds, then you can get a bigger RV. So thinking through your camping style and the types of places you want to camp mm. is very important before purchasing an RV. When the skies open up, 
While others seek shelter, I embrace the rain. Heading to my favorite hike, the raindrops are like a soothing melody, and my vessies ensure each step is dry and comfortable, turning a simple outing into a rather delightful experience. Whenever my kids and I are stepping into a great outdoors adventure, I love wearing Vessi's Stormburst boots to capture the beauty of springtime landscapes. Their robust style is perfect for our nature excursions, adding a little dash of elegance to our outdoor explorations. This spring, transform how you view wet weather with Vessi. Their Dymatex technology makes their shoes not just waterproof, but a stylish barrier against rain and puddles. Whether it's a sudden downpour or a planned seaside walk, Vessi shoes ensure your feet stay dry and comfortable. Embrace the essence of spring with Vessi. From chic city walks to adventurous treks, find the perfect pair for your lifestyle at Vessi.com outside and enjoy an automatic 15% off your first order upon checkout. That's V-E-S-S-I dot com slash outside for 15% off your first order. I have been looking for simple ways to form healthy habits and get the nutrients my body needs when my immune system feels unsupported. And that's why I decided to give AG1 a try. Not only does AG1 deliver my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics and more, but it's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and ready to face the day. As a parent, longevity is on my mind more than ever before. I want to make sure I'm taking really good care of myself so I can continue to show up for the moments that matter with my kids. Every day, AG1 helps me build long-term health with daily nutrients that support brain, gut, and immune health. All it takes is one scoop a day, and I'm setting myself up for the long run. AG1 is a supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily, and that's why I'm excited to welcome them as a new partner. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash 1000. That's drinkag1.com slash 1000. Check it out. Yeah, and you and Stephanie do such a fantastic job walking through all of it and showcasing the variety, both in the types of camping that you can do and also the types of accommodations that you can find. And that's part of actually the draw, too. You talk in the book about extended family coming and getting together with friends and camping at these places. And some might have cabins and some might have glamping. And it allows for different people, and in, in depending on your economic status that year, it just allows for, I think, more people to join in because you can join in at different price points. So can you talk, too, about that some of these campgrounds have cabin options and what's glamping? There's other options even besides what we've already talked about. You're speaking my love language here because I love, I just love all the different options, all the different variety. I mean, we're RV owners in our hearts, but we do still tent camp. We do glamp. We do rent cabins. I, I like all of it. And in the Where Should We Camp Next books, we really are giving you options for all those things. So what's glamping is exploding, right? The alternative camping accommodation market is exploding. And by that, I mean, you know, glamping tents. Conestoga wagons, luxurious cabins. What are the wagons? What tell us what those are? 
A Conestoga wagon is literally like they take an old fashioned Conestoga wagon and then you walk up the stairs and inside there's bunk beds and plush master bed. And so there's just this whole world of really kind of fun, luxurious accommodations. And what's happened is we're set when we got into this 12 years ago, if we were to go to like a a KOA or a private type campground, it would have been the vast majority would have been like RV sites, some tent sites sprinkled in. Maybe there was a couple cabins here and there. But over the last decade, a lot of private campgrounds have discovered they can make more money with a cabin than an RV site. And so they've uh, they've added a lot of cabins, a lot of clamping tents, because those can, you know, they can charge you two, three hundred, four hundred dollars a night at somewhere like under canvas, even where an RV site is going to be 60, 80, 100 dollars. So a lot of campgrounds have added those glamping accommodations, which is great if you want to travel with friends and family that don't own RVs. Right. right. So we every spring break, we, we've been going to a place called Carolina Pines, which is like a really nice resort, RV resort. And last year we went with another family that does not own an RV. I have no, they have no intention of owning an RV. They rented a cabin. So we were able yeah. to enjoy our RV vacation with a non-RV family. So that, that's one whole area here, right? Where the traditional campgrounds have added cabins and glamping, et cetera, et cetera. But then there's a, another whole subset of the glamping industry where you have places that are just glamping tents. Like under canvas is amazing. It's really expensive, but under canvas is amazing. If you want like a really luxurious glamping tent experience, check out under canvas. We stayed at one of their locations right outside of Yellowstone and we absolutely loved it. There's no RV sites there. There's nowhere to pitch a tent there. It is all luxurious glamping tents. Mm -hmm. Then there's a place called AutoCamp, which is now growing. And AutoCamp, they're all Airstream rentals. So you can't bring your own RV, you can't bring your own tent, but they have 50 Airstream rentals set up. And again, these are expensive. These are $300, $400 a night. I mean, the, the glamping market is not cheap by definition. Mm-hmm. But it, at the end of the day, what I often think is that it's a little complicated and there's problems and some stress points and, and prices can get high. I feel like we're in a, a golden age for American camping because there are so many different options options. You know, you mentioned spending 30 bucks a night at a state park. That's a really great option for a lot of families. We love doing that. If you want to stay at a luxurious RV resort that has a water park and a swim up bar, uh, and you're willing to spend 120 or 150 a night, you can do that. If you want to stay in a luxurious glamping tent for $400 a night, you can do that. So there's camping accommodations at almost every imaginable price point. And to some degree, there are RV options at a really wide variety of price points from buying that used pop-up camper for a thousand bucks or 2000 bucks to buying a really expensive motorhome. So I feel like wherever you're at economically, wherever you're at with your family's budget, if you want to camp, you can camp. I mean, there are ways for you to do it. Now there's a lot, it's sometimes it's hard to get reservations at those really great state parks and those really great national park campgrounds because they're 30 bucks a night, right? Right. Um, Where a KOA can be a hundred. 
that. Yeah, that's yeah. Because you do talk about that in the book, that it can be easier to find at the more expensive places. But we live in Michigan. You have to be on the ball. You have to be on the website six months in advance. And people even do tricks. And I'm, I think that they've come up with ways that they've cut down on it. But people will book out for two weeks and then they'll cancel the first week. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing. And if you're not on the site at 8 a.m. and hitting the button, and even if you are on the site at 8 a.m. and hitting the button. So we are sort of last minute people, which doesn't bode well for camping. But you even talk in the book about you call for cancellations and you just call and call and hopefully something shows up. But can we talk about the actual process of booking campgrounds and why we have to look ahead and how that works? Maybe just tell what you do for your family, because you've said you're already mostly booked out for 2023. You know your stuff, by the way. Okay, this is great. I, 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 I'm very impressed. So, yeah, I, listen. I literally had someone send me a Facebook direct message and say, "Jeremy, if you're trying to to get a site at this campground this summer, because I had like mentioned it in a post." She's like, "I have the name of a hacker." I'll, <laughs> she said, "She said there's a I there's a fee." It. She said, "There's a fee, but I've got I've got a guy." I've got a guy who can get you that. The black market. The black market. I, I, was, <laughs> I, I was like, I turned and looked away from the message. Like I was embarrassed, you know, like, like I would, I mean, I, I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Ethical. I would never do that. Right. Like that is, and that's why I, I'm hopeful because the national parks, the most popular campgrounds within the national parks, like at Yosemite, are, some of them are moving towards a lottery system wow. uh, where you just say, I want X campground on these dates. And then, you know, all all 10,000 people that, that want it get their names pulled out of a, a hat or a computer generated program. And it's more fair and democratic because to some degree, it really does favor people who are really sophisticated with technology and really sophisticated mm. with their laptops or families that have five laptops at home and five people trying to get their reservations. And then some of like, you know, just the average person out there who's just not, you know, not, not willing to game the system is getting locked out because what you said is happening everywhere. People will book something thing a week earlier than they intend to go just so they can get into the reservation system earlier and then they'll cancel it. I actually had park rangers at Assateague Island National Seashore complaining about that to me. And now Disney's Fort Wilderness will not let you do that anymore. So wow. if you book two at Fort Wilderness, really competitive to get sites. If you book two weeks and then you think you're going to cancel the first week to get the week you really want, mm -hmm. Disney's not having it. They will not wow. let you cancel beforehand. So, uh, you know, it yeah, they're coming around. And in Michigan, there's a fee now, I think, associated with doing that. But the point is, is that it feels like this total scramble. When I was younger, a younger mom, we got all our stuff secondhand. And so we would go to these mom to mom sales. And there would always be like for a couple dollars extra, you could get an early bird. And so <laughs> there's all these moms at like 8am instead of 9am. And you are just like ready to go and you got to get in there. It's like this. And it's so stressful. <laughs> You're so and stressed out about it because you might miss it. And I feel like sometimes the camping reservations feels the same way, especially because you said at Disney, it said something like 455 days out. <laughs> You can, yes. you can book 400. It's over a year. Yes, it's, it's, you have to. <laughs> you know I, what I, you want to do in over a year, but you couple, really have to plan ahead. 
a couple things I'd say, because I, I, I really don't like the fact that this has gotten so stressful for people. And I also don't like the fact that prices have exploded. And in my personal opinion, it's not just due to inflation. I think there's some people have gotten really greedy out there. I really do think, yes, you do need to plan ahead. It helps. It helps to plan ahead. If you're not that type of person, cancellations do really happen all the time, but then you're putting in the work of checking every day or calling every day. But if you don't get that campground you want, don't give up, keep trying for a cancellation. Also, what I think is very true is that the most popular campgrounds in the most popular locations at the most popular times of year are very, very difficult to book. But I also really believe there are tons of undiscovered gems out there uh, where everybody's not trying to get in. There are county parks that fly under the radar. And I know like in Michigan, your state park system is really popular. Yeah, but our county parks are amazing too. And so we have friends that camp with family every year, extended family in the summer, and they have found the best gems and they just go back there and they're never completely booked and they can always grab three or four sites next to each other and their county parks. And we're near Lake Michigan. So I think that if you have the natural beauty and your campground, for us, our campground is a place for the kids to blow off steam, right? A place that when we're setting up, they're also not nagging because they've found things to do. I mean, obviously it depends on age and it's really tricky. I think when they're like eating pine cones, (laughs) you know, that's hard. But once you're past that stage, they're kind of off and meandering and it just lowers the stress for everyone. So I think you talk about this in the book, that's a benefit. Even if it costs the same as an Airbnb, there are additional benefits because the kids aren't basically bouncing off the wall. But if you're near these beautiful places and you're coming back at night for your campfire and to ride bikes and to go to the playground and to cook a homemade meal and to sleep, it doesn't maybe matter. Yeah, I mean, I tell, look, and camping exploded over the, the, the course of the pandemic, right? I mean, things were as crowded as they've ever been. And, and some of that may be calming down a little bit, too. I, I'm, I'm hoping that there's a little bit of a return to normal as people, you know, as a lot of people are going back to other types of vacations, like cruises and, you know, fly to Europe type vacations. So I think that it's going to get a little better in terms of finding campsites. But also, if you want to go to Yellowstone this summer, this coming summer, but you're having a hard time getting reservations reservations and you're stressed about it, maybe go to Idaho in, instead or go, go mm. to the Sawtooth Mountains instead. Mm. Or if you're looking at Olympic National Park and you're you're having a hard time getting reservations, maybe look at North Cascades instead. There's often sort of another nearby option mm. that is less crowded or a st- like Custer State Park in South Dakota is going to be significantly less crowded than Yellowstone. Jeremy, so you're de- missing all of the Michigan campgrounds. Oh, I, 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 I well, I'm, listen to me right now. I think Michigan is one of the most underrated states in the country for camping. I think it's you have incredible an, here. You have an amazing state park system. Mm-hmm. One of my five favorite trips of all time was to Sleeping Bear Dunes National mm-hmm. Lakeshore. Traverse City is one of the coolest small cities in America. Mm-hmm. And well, I, we have them. I, they dot the whole coast down Lake Michigan and then all up in Lake Superior. And there's campsites, rustic ones where you just show up and it's really an exciting place to camp. We love it here. And there's just, they're little ones, but they're beautiful. So I had to interject. Well, camping is in that that Michigan culture too. When we drove up to Sleeping Bear Dunes National Lakeshore, which was quite a drive for us from New Jersey, it felt like in every other driveway, somebody had a trailer or a pop-up camper. Like mm-hmm. it, it feels like camping is is just 
in your bloodstream there yeah. in, in Michigan. It's a big Michigan thing. I think maybe because there's a lot of water. And so all summer long, it's warm and the lakes are beautiful and there's many of them. They're fresh water. And so it is part of the culture. It's hard to get campsites here, but we use the last minute cancellation feature and that has seemed to work for us. And Indiana, we're close to Indiana. They've got some great parks too, where they have campgrounds and then the campground sometimes has a hotel and oftentimes has an Olympic sized swimming pool. So how fun is this? that. You know, you get to go adventure during the day and there's this huge pool that you can come back to at night. And so I totally agree with what you're saying, which is look elsewhere. And I, you had a quote in the book that was phenomenal. It said, you don't have to visit the Grand Canyon to have an amazing outdoor experience with your family. You just need to get outside. That's it's it. It's true. It's true. I mean, we have a county park 20 minutes from our house that I can, I can get a reservation at pretty much any time. And they also leave like eight sites that you can't reserve. So if you just show up on Friday, they have, and I've always been able to get a site there. Wow. And some of my fondest memories of camping with my kids and camping with friends is at this, you know, you know to some degree, rinky dink little county park without too many amenities, but there's large sites there. They're affordable. We, you, because there's not a lot of amenities there, we typically only go if we're meeting a friend there, right? Yeah. So now, now my kids are at the age where if I say, Hey, you guys want to go to the county park this weekend and camp? They'd be like, eh. But if I say, hey, do you guys want to go and meet, uh, you know, another family there or meet Joe and Ashley there and their kids? Oh, my God, it's the greatest thing on planet Earth. So at at a certain age for kids... It does to some degree. It does not matter where they are if they're with their having fun outside with their friends. They can make up an adventure any anywhere they go. Yeah. So I, I love Yellowstone and I love Olympic and I, I love Acadia. I, I still those are spectacular, spectacular places. But we've also made incredible memories and had so much fun in places that are really, really off the radar and just just local places, simple places, affordable places. Mm-hmm. And you bring up in here, which is something that I had never thought of, that you can rent RVs. So that's even another option. You could fly in and rent an RV somewhere. And there's different sites that offer that or if you're wanting to try it out for the first time. So I thought that was a really neat thing that people could look at. So there's so many options. There's so much variety. And then you go through how to pack and unpack the nitty gritty. My wife wrote that chapter. (laughs) She did a great job. Stephanie wrote that chapter. What I will say is this, is that it can be stressful getting ready for a camping trip. Uh, and, and that can detract from the joy of getting out and camping. And it can actually, it can keep people from camping, right? right. Just spending all those hours. I mean, we we took an RV trip to Nova Scotia and I felt like we were packing for 15 hours. So, you know, the book has some tips on making that more manageable. Yeah. We keep our RV stocked for the season, you know, except for certain type, you know, types of food or whatever, but we keep everything in there. So we have toothbrushes in the house, but the kids also have their toothbrushes in the RV. And we do a towel, we have RV towels. I even keep a set of clothes in the RV. So we keep the RV as close to ready to go as we can. Everyone wants to start their year off on the right foot. And for me, that means making sure I'm eating well and have enough energy to do everything I want to do. But I'm not going to run to the butcher every day to get a fresh cut of quality meat. That's why Good Chop is such a lifesaver for our family. Good Chop offers fully customizable boxes of high-quality meat and seafood delivered to your door on your schedule. Their products are vacuum-sealed and frozen at peak freshness, so you can stock your freezer and cook when you want. We had a somewhat last-minute get-together recently, and it was so incredibly convenient to just head to the freezer and pull out a couple bags of Good Chop's hamburger patties to whip up some burgers quickly. They were so delicious. 
Besides being delicious, it's important to know it won't cost you a fortune either. Good Chops price per meal starts at just $3.74. Go to goodchop.com slash outside120 and use code outside120 to get $120 off across your first four boxes. That's code outside120 at goodchop.com slash outside120 for $120 off. Goodchop.com slash outside120 code outside120. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. So get started today and get after your goals. Some of the things we love about Factor are their two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Our kids love the pancakes, smoothies, and more. And there's a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, including midday bites. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. And remember, to sign up and save, we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash outside50 and use code outside50 to get 50% off. That's code outside50 at factormeals.com slash outside 50 to get 50% off. And then what um, we've also tried to do over the years, if we're going to camp on a Friday, you know, those short weekend trips can be challenging. For, oh, I for love a, that idea family. though. I love that idea. There was this cool quote in there. It was actually very motivating. You said on Friday, this is what it says. We may be exhausted and burned out at 4 p.m. on Friday afternoon, but by 8 p.m. on Friday night, you know where to find us, right? So it's like if you just put in that little extra effort and if you, you're set up for it, like you said, and I think even I've heard people with tenting, look, I've got a bin that's got, we have camping clothes, three days worth of camping clothes are from the Goodwill store. We come home, we wash them, we put them right back in the bin. We're ready to go out the door. I loved all your information about these weekend trips that you can get home from work on Friday and stay till Sunday. Day, maybe pay a little extra for a late checkout, or we've sometimes paid till the next day if it's $30. So we're not going to stay the night, but we're going to stay till seven o'clock and then drive home late. It's only 30 bucks more sometimes. So I loved that part. It's just inspirational in life in general. What can we do with our weekends? We also recommend pack a little bit each night leading up mm-hmm. to that Friday trip, you know, do 20 minutes or half an hour, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, so that Friday after work, you're not like, oh my God, I cannot pull this together. And then I'm going right. to be driving in traffic. And then also we've always done what we call SWAT team Sunday. When we come home from a camping trip, everyone's usually tired. The kids all just kind of want to like, you know, go to their rooms, but we're like, no, we are unpacking the RV, the whole team, all five of us, everyone is going to unpack, get everything back in the house. Do not leave the RV a disaster. And this could go for your tent camping equipment too. get everything back where it goes, get everything neat and tidy so that when you go to camp next time, not only are you packing for that weekend, but you're cleaning up from the previous (laughs) camping trip. Like then all of a sudden it can quickly become unmanageable. So getting everything nice and tidy when you come home on Sunday and then doing a little bit each night during the week really, really helps. 
Yeah. And your wife had great ideas in there about having little special things, little special things that you only do when you camp. We have our daughters have like camping babies. So they're up underneath the little bench inside the pop-up in a little stroller and they call them their camping babies. And so to have special food or special things that only come out then, I thought those were great ideas and that you can find things at Ikea. Yeah, my uh, Stephanie did a blog post on the harveyhatless.com. If you just go to the search tool and type in Ikea, she did a blog post on great things from Ikea to take camping. And all that stuff, you know, Ikea is pretty steady with what they sell. Uh, so we, every single time we've bought a new RV, a trip to Ikea comes soon after. Wow. Uh, to And because it's affordable, you know, partly. Uh, and they just, ironically, they just, because they have a lot of things that are designed for small spaces, I guess, at the end That's of the day. That's what it is. is is yeah. what it is. And so, you know, a lot of things that it's kind of, I'm just actually putting this together in my head right now. You know, like a lot of things that are good for like a small hip apartment in New York City yeah. are also really good for a small RV. So uh, yeah, a trip to Ikea usually happens after we buy a new RV. Mm -hmm. And I, like I said, we're, you know, we're RV shopping right now. We're getting really close to buying one. I've already set aside all the board games and all the card games that are just going to go in the RV. Mm -hmm. Like I have a little pile and because, you know, we have a stash here in the house, but I pulled the ones out that are like smaller, more compact mm -hmm. and better for camping. And they'll just stay in the RV, right? right. So then when the, the kids go out, we, particularly like my youngest right now, he'll see that we have the spotted card game out in the yeah. RV, right? And he'll he'll be excited to see it. Mm -hmm. Almost like it's a little bit of a feeling of Christmas. You go out there and there's all these things that you haven't seen for a while. Yeah. Yes. And there was another tip in there about making sure that you have clothing for layering. If the sentence was like, we're in Tampa, we're in Florida, and it's 42 degrees, we learned the hard way. Make sure you have raincoats and jackets and that type of thing. So you really get all of the details in here. I think now I have such a great resource when people are constantly asking, how do we get into camping? You have the stock up checklist. What do we need? What clothes do we need for a quick three-day trip? Where are some of the most popular campgrounds? It's all in this book, See You at the Campground, which is fantastic. I just love the community part. I think that's one of my favorites because I think we're struggling a lot with loneliness and lack of community. We've been walking since the beginning of the year. Last year, I spent a lot of time on screens, too much doing stuff like this, and I'm really trying to bring some boundaries in there. So we've been walking just across the street from our house. There's a neighborhood with not that many homes, but we've been waving at people because the cars pass here and there. And I do not know, Jeremy, what it is, but there is something about waving. I'm like, what is this? You just feel a part of something. So for people who don't know, can you just talk about the community aspect of being at a campground and what that feels like? Well, a lot of people compare the American campground to um, American communities in the 1950s or 60s. And that can be a, a little bit overly romanticized to some degree. But when you step outside of your tent or your RV, you're not in your backyard, you're in the campground. And you're going to see people walking by, walking their dogs. And RVers, tent campers, people into camping tend to be social people tend to be friendly people. They also tend to be helpful people. And that's something that we learned very, very quickly on our second RV trip. I could not get the furnace lit in the pop-up camper. And I had a bunch of veteran RV owners walk over and help me. So if you're intimidated Aww. by going Gosh, out doesn't on your... that make you feel good too? It makes you feel like you're not alone. And it makes you, it's a reminder that people are helpful and kind and they're looking out and it's a numbers game too. There's a lot of people at the campground. You're probably going to find someone that you click with or that your kids click with. 
Yeah. And it also makes me realize that I need to, to hand on that knowledge, right? I mean, the RV, when we got into this 12 years ago, there, there was very much a culture of passing on the knowledge to, to the next generation. And, you know, now that I've been doing it for 12 years, I'm very cognizant of the fact that like, I, I also feel like I have a responsibility. If I see somebody struggling or somebody having an issue with their RV or their tent or whatever it is, not to be overbearing or annoying, but to, to be there to help. And I think that for somebody out there in your audience who's thinking about you know, camping, whether in a tent or an RV or whatever, if you're a little intimidated by it, I think that you will find very, very helpful people. Now, I don't want to sugarcoat the American camping experience. There are issues in terms of a lack of diversity in the American camping experience. There are, are definitely, you know, people that, that sometimes don't feel welcome depending on where they are. I mean, camping has been a predominantly white activity uh, in, in its history. That's changing in positive ways, okay. but there are certainly things that the camping culture and community could do better to be welcoming to a really diverse group of people. People that camp are starting to look more like America in general. That is changing slowly, but I think it's an, an area that people that, that work in the RV industry, work in the camping industry, and people that camp need to make sure that we're welcoming everybody, making sure that right. everybody feels welcome at the campground. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it's just a beautiful community there. Once you get there, I my favorite thing to do, and like I said, we don't camp all that often, but my favorite thing to do is to walk around and see everyone else's setup. It's real neat. I, and everyone is different and unique and people have signs and some people have lights and they have different types of chairs. And so it's just a nice way to get out, to get moving, to get walking. And it's something to do and you can bring a pet. That's something that we haven't talked about yet. For people that love their pets, this is an option a lot of times that they could bring a pet along. 50% of RV owners travel with a, a pet, or maybe even 53%. So campgrounds are really, really dog friendly. Um, there's often a dog park if it's a private campground. That's definitely part of the culture of, of camping and RVing. One thing I would say is that if you're going to a national park or a state park, do check ahead that that national park is pet friendly. So for instance, like Acadia National Park is very pet friendly and we were able to bring our dog Maggie on lots of the trails. But then like New Hampshire's state park system is not super pet friendly and there's a an awful lot of places you can't bring your dog hiking. So it's not that the campgrounds aren't the issue there. It's maybe the, the destinations that you're exploring. Mm -hmm. But um, our dog, Maggie, we call her Maggie, the camping dog. She loves camping even more than we do. When we come home for a camping trip, she like refuses to get out of the truck. <laughs> if we once we start packing, she bursts out the door. Sometimes she thinks we're going camping if we're like moving stuff in and out of the truck. And you can tell like, oh, my God, she wants to go camping. So that is that's a, a really wonderful part of the experience, too. I would just tell everybody, you know, keep your dog on a, you know, keep your dog leashed when you're at the campground. Um, be respectful of people's space, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, just, just the same common sense basic rules that you'd follow and walking your dog around the neighborhood. But yes, campgrounds are super, super pet friendly. Now, if you're into the glamping scene, that's a whole different story in terms of whether your your dog or your pet is allowed into a glamping tent or a cabin. Like, you know, KOAs have pet friendly cabins and ones where you can't bring a pet. Mm -hmm. So just, just if you're in that world of alternative camping accommodations, just make sure that you're allowed to bring your dog and don't just show up with your dog. 
Mm-hmm. Well, Jeremy, you hit it all in this book. See you at the campground. All the details that people would need to know if they're wanting to get into camping, if they're wanting to enhance their camping experiences. But then you also just hit on daily life and how it is with kids and how draining it could be. And you talked about, you know, we're just trying to figure out how can we have fun now? I love the story about how you talk at the beginning about you used to go to the beach all the time. Now you have these twin babies, you try and go to the beach and it just doesn't work out well. And I think a lot of people are searching for the answer. What is the answer for my family? You say the learning curve for becoming a parent is pretty steep, but there was one lesson we had learned quickly. Relaxing and having fun look different. They look different, but you can still do it. You can still actually relax and you can still actually have fun and you can still actually be refreshed. And camping is so conducive, I think, to family life and to finding those moments of peace and calm and enjoyment and memories and fulfillment with your family in that environment. So what a fantastic thing that you're doing, Jeremy, with these books and with your podcast and with your website to help families. I just want to mention that you have in here food, there's meal plans in here and all the different options options. So you covered it all. It's a fantastic book. See you at the campground. If people want to buy a copy of this, Jeremy, is it pretty much everywhere? Yeah, wherever books are sold, you could get it at an independent bookstore, you could get it through Amazon, you could get it at barnesandnoble.com. I love walking into independent bookstores and seeing if they have it. If you like to shop independent and they don't have it, you could definitely order it from any bookstore mm-hmm. out there. So yeah, and thank then, you And so then much. the other books as well, the number one bestseller, Where Should We Camp Next? And you're talking here too about the, there's all these benefits of camping beyond the things that we've already talked about, the flexibility, the variety, you can go with your friends. It often is cost effective. I think you had a statistic in there or on your website that it's 50% in general. I'm sure that there's different things, but in general, it tends to be 50% cheaper than other vacations. But then you go through at the very end and talk about all the benefits to our personhood, I guess. You know, you learn to be flexible, you learn to be sociable, you learn to be imaginative and curious and patient, and you have a love for nature and you're weaving this family narrative, you're learning to live in the moment. And so I didn't really need convincing, but if I did need convincing, (laughs) this book would have done it. Well, thank you so much. And, you know, now my my boys are my twin boys are thirteen, which is mm-hmm. is shocking. And I, you know, it, it, it's amazing seeing how the camping, the national park trips, has trained them to be human beings, to be good human beings and to not be afraid of new environments. You know, my kids get into a new environment and they get comfortable and confident right away because they've been in so many new environments over the years. And ultimately, like at the end of the day, in terms of all these things we've done and all these places we've been, I guess that the single thing I'm most proud of is that we've raised outdoor kids. You know, our family is not perfect. We have every issue that every family has, but um, our kids love to get outside. You know, my, my, 13 year old boys, even in the dead of winter on like a, on like a weekend, they will go out and, you know, go to the field and play wiffle ball or football where, you know, they're surfing all summer. So they have, they have a love of the great outdoors that we, that we really wanted to give them. And, and we did. And and a lot of that was because we, we camped with them a lot when they were, when they were little. Yeah, and they have this innate sense that nature offers them something all throughout the year, all the different seasons. And I loved what you said about being in so many different environments and that helps them be flexible. That's how their life is going to be. I mean, you're, you are a teacher, you have this, you won the teacher of the year, and here you are sitting doing a podcast and writing books. And so the world is rapidly changing. Our kids are going to be in, I think, all sorts of different types of environments as they grow into adulthood. And so this is such a great preparation for them. I loved in the book that you talked about, you know, some of them are going to have a pool and some 
of them are not. And you're going to show up and think that this and that was closed. And so you have to learn to be flexible and resilient. And so there's so many life lessons that happen in camping as well. I loved how you ended the book. Actually really like filled my heart. It was such a warm ending. And you said, maybe we'll see you there. And I I loved that part of it. So can you tell us just real briefly, what are some of your adventures? What's coming for your family in 2023? So what's interesting now is like everything changes when you have teenagers. I'm I'm learning very quickly. And uh, again, like nothing prepared me for having teenagers. What I'm very excited about is that all of my kids really still want to camp. I have this fear that one day they're going to be dead. We don't want to go because uh, our friends are hanging out here or, or, or whatever. They all still want to camp, but they really like camping with other with their friends. So doing trips with other families has really helped us keep the spark alive. So our spring break trip is with another family where, you know, we're friends with the mom and they're friends with the the kids and everybody gets along and has fun and we share meals and all that stuff. So doing it with uh, friends is great. So we're going to go to Myrtle Beach again for spring break because that's like that's just, you know, we, we can get somewhere warm in 10 hours of right. driving, right? We just drive for 10 hours and it's warm. So we do, yeah. we do Myrtle a lot. And then we're going on our first like legitimate RV surf trip this summer because all my kids wow. went crazy, went crazy for surfing. So as your kids get older, that's another tip, like take them to places that, that interest them or that have activities that they want to go. I mean, going to the sleeping neighborhood County Park might not work with 13 year olds, but we're going to Cape Hatteras and I got a site right on the beach, right by a place where the waves are great. So I, you know, tailoring the trips a little bit to their, their interests and hobbies helps quite a lot. And then we're still trying to determine like a big national park trip for the end of the summer, uh, possibly the Grand Canyon. So but we're, we're wow. putting the finishing touches on on that we always at the end of every summer, we do a big national park trip, our kids don't start school till after Labor Day. So here's a great tip if you're in the same situation, but you, you know, families in Michigan probably are not yeah. or the Midwest. Are no, we not. are our schools tend to not start till after Labor Day. So that and that last week of August yes. going into the, is the best time to go. Everything's empty because everyone is back into this school mindset and they're getting ready and they're getting their clothes ready and they're buying their supplies and everything's empty. We did Mount Rushmore. It wasn't crowded. We did Glacier National Park. It wasn't crowded. We did Yellowstone. We got parking everywhere we wanted at Yellowstone. The last week of of August, even the last two weeks of August is a great time for a national park trip if your schedule allows it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Jeremy, this has been so fantastic. I And maybe like the book says, maybe people will see you at those different places. Real quick, let me run down. Can you tell us your books one more time? Yeah. So there's See You at the Campground, which you talked about here. There's Where Should We Camp Next, which is out right now. There's Where Should We Camp Next National Parks, which is the follow-up. And that will be out uh, April 4th. It's probably available for pre-order. And I think pre-orders really help authors. So if someone knows, look, I want to camp at the national parks, just pre-order the book now. I, I appreciate you saying that. Yes, the pre-order, even though you wouldn't get the book to, till April, it really does help us. It, it figure, mm-hmm. you know, Amazon can figure out how many to order. Our yeah. publisher can figure out how many to print. So right. pre-orders matter an, an awful lot. Mm-hmm. And then our first book was The Idiot's Guide to RV Vacations, which is almost uh, 10 years old. And we're putting out the second edition to that. It's now called The Outdoor Adventure Series Guide to RV Vacations. And that's um, coming out as well. So you can just search that's for awesome. Jeremy and Stephanie Puglisi and, and find all those books. Yes. 
at the RV Atlas and the RVAtlas.com. So they can find you on social media. And then you have the RV Atlas podcast that you're on break for for about five months because you're writing books. But there's all sorts of past episodes there. Talk about five great Jellystone parks to consider, Hawking Hills, all these campground reviews. So you just have a lot. We're out of time. Can we end with a really quick favorite outdoor childhood memory of yours? Oh, my God, of my own childhood. So my grandparents had a beach house at the Jersey Shore. And I every I grew up in sort of a rough neighborhood. And every summer, my grandfather, the day after I got out of school, would pull up and pick me up and take me away for the summer and bring me to the beach house. And I'd spend the summer at the beach house with my grandparents. And uh, that was that was always magical. And I grew up, uh, you know, surfing and fishing at the Jersey Shore. And now, as much as we love to camp and travel, my kids are also growing up surfing and fishing at the Jersey Shore. So those those memories from my grandparents' beach house were pretty wonderful. And I love that really ties in with your book because you talk in the book about how this can be a multi-generational activity is meeting up at a campground and people use different types of lodging that's there and it works for the whole family and you can come together during the day and go to your separate spaces at night and it's just beautiful to have those it's beautiful for everyone. I mean, how, you think about your grandparents now that we're, I'm getting older, I've got a 14 year old and I think, oh, I, I hope I get to do these special things with my grandkids someday. So what a neat gift for your grandparents as much as it was for you, a favorite memory. So that's really special. Jeremy, thank you so much for all that you're doing for families to help them get outside, to get over their hump about learning of camping and just being excited. And there's more even in this book than just the camping. It inspires you to think of your life differently. How can I insert and venture in the weekends? You talk about you travel so much and you just do these weekend things. So it really got my my mind spinning of things that we could do. And I really appreciate your time today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for, for having me. I really, really enjoyed the conversation and I'm loving your podcast as well. And I will be listening every week. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us 